0: Uh, Many of you know that I am uh, privileged to have a number of my family members as a part of our congregation. And uh, my brother and his family are part of the church, and my parents are part of the church. And uh, those of you who have been with us for a while know this, but the rest of you do not. My uh, father pastored for a number of years, and um, Uh, So, we are uh, honored to have him among the uh, good group of preachers that we have in this church. We're blessed with a number of people uh, that that just do a very good job. And so, uh, today I've asked my dad to speak to us, and um, he is probably, as I was thinking about it, probably the person that I've heard preach the most in my entire life. Uh, When I was uh, a kid, I heard him preach on Sunday mornings, uh, Sunday evenings. Wednesday nights, sometimes at special Bible studies. And uh, so I've just heard him preach so much that you'll understand if I just go out and drink coffee while the rest of you uh, are just just a little joke, just a little joke. Uh, anyway, uh, I am uh, honored to have my parents as part of our church. I appreciate my dad, and uh, why don't you welcome him as he comes to preach this? Day.
1: Thank you. What an honor to be able to speak to all of you on this wonderful sunday thanksgiving that 's great. Um, we used to really love the Lord back in those days. <laughs> we went to church about five times a week. <laughs> you know there there 's nobody that smart that i 'll be speaking that much that 's just the way it is that 's for sure. Um, it reminded me when Brian was speaking about it, hearing me speak a lot back in the day when um don and i traveled and went from church to church for a period of years actually um we called it evangelizing that might be a word that's a little foreign today but um you're preaching in a church every night for two weeks three weeks perhaps and and um some of your stuff was just so good that everybody needed to hear it wherever you went you know (laughs) so i would preach the same sermons of course this church and the next church Brian got to learn them pretty well. <laughs> In fact, he would sit there and he would holler out what I was going to say before I even said it. <clears throat> His first sermon, that he was about five years old and he was really crank. believe me. He was preaching about David and the, the giant and how David said uh, to the giant, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin." he called it but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And uh, so he's been preaching for a long time. I knew he was going to be in some type of leadership when he was about six years old because there were a lot of little kids out in our yard playing. Don and I were in the house, and we heard him say, I'm the boss here. <laughs> so I knew he had a real call of God on his life right there, you know. Oh, <laughs> Oh, my. Well, thank you all for being here today, and uh, my heart is full already. Thanksgiving, thinking of our life, all that the Lord has done for us, we just ought to be full and overflowing today. Every time I preach here, I come with um, several goals in mind, number one in the Vineyard tradition is to speak in conversational tones. Number two is don't get too loud or too carried away. <laughs> Number three is don't get too emotional and break down. Now I can tell you if all of those things happen today, you can leave here and say you just witnessed a bona fide miracle <laughs> at Vineyard Christian Church. But um, <clears throat> I've asked the Lord today to help me to say the things I should say and not to say anything that I should not say. So I hope that we can communicate some biblical truths to you today that will help all of us in our walk with the Lord. Um, Perhaps you heard of the gentleman who... um, who filed for divorce. And when the judge asked him if there was a third party involved, he said, no, not at all. My wife doesn't like to go to parties. <laughs> he said, well, is, is she a spendthrift? Said, you bet she is. When it comes to money, she's very thrifty. And the judge was getting a little, little rattled. And he said, well, does she beat you up? He said, no, your honor. I'm the first one up in the morning. I said, well, why, why is it that you want a divorce? He said, the woman just can't communicate. And so <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem rested with him perhaps more than anybody else. <clears throat> As I began to prepare for this message and I sat down, and I began to write out an introduction. My introduction just kept going and going and going and going. And so I have a real long introduction before I get to the heart of the message concerning Thanksgiving, and I'm just going to entitle it just a Thanksgiving message. I think, think it's good on these special occasions, special holidays, that we, that we pause and we look at all that the Lord has done for us, especially on this day. Not too long ago, I was in a store, and I was checking out, and there was a little fellow off to the side at the exit to the store at a gumball machine, and he was clamoring for a quarter to put in the gumball machine. He wanted gum. His mother was there a short ways from him, a little off to the side, and she wasn't going to give him any quarter, and I couldn't tell exactly why, but my sense was that perhaps she didn't have a quarter, not that she was perhaps that poor. I don't mean that, but maybe she just didn't have a quarter to give him. So he just kept on and kept on, and I checked out, and I walked toward the exit, and as I walked toward him, I reached down in my pocket. I got out a quarter, and I gave it to the little guy, and I said, here you go. He grabbed it, and he took off the gumball machine just like that. Now, he was big enough to have said, thank you, but he didn't. Well, he was excited. I I can understand that. So very quickly in my mind, you know, our mind just goes and goes. I think, well, his mother will thank me as I walk past her to go out the door. In fact, when I gave it to him, she said to her little boy, she said, now you have one. Only she didn't say it in that, tone inflection she said now you have one you wanting another one (laughs) that was the sense that was that was for you know you got one now you know maybe he'll give you another one and I thought you know as I walk out surely that mother is going to at least look at me nod uh, say thank you whatever I walked right past her she never looked at me she never said one blessed word she just stood there and, didn't, and said nothing. I was ticked. <laughs> Honestly, can you believe? Can you believe? Some time ago, USA Today ran a cover story which is entitled, Excuse Me, But Whatever Happened to Manners? The article noted how impossible it is to ignore the rudeness and even harshness of American life. A majority of Americans, 89% in fact, feel that incivility is a serious problem. Now, if by chance you haven't been hanging out on planet Earth too long, you may not realize or be aware of the disintegration of courtesy, respect, good manners, and common sense in our culture. But all of these things in this day have taken quite a hit. The mantra of today is no problem, whatever, no big deal. However, there are some things that are a problem. There are some things that are a big deal. There are some things that whatever just simply doesn't cut it. The collapse of courtesy leads eventually to the collapse of community. The very heart of courtesy is respect for other people. The heart of discourtesy is a disrespect for other people. There are cultures, that, and you have seen, or you have at least seen pictures, when they greet one another, they put their hands like this and they sort of bow. It's just simply, in that culture, a respect for that person I honor you, I respect you, if for no more than you're a part of the human family. People deserve to be treated with respect, not necessarily because they earned it, not necessarily because they're always kind or easy to get along with, but simply because they are a part of the human family and are made in the image of God and the fact that God loves them. When we realize that every person who lives is made in the image of God, and God loves that person, it'll make us look at people a whole lot differently than we might. I believe it was in the 2010, perhaps the 2012 election, I watched on C-SPAN some town hall meetings. One that I watched was a U.S. senator that was running for reelection, And there was a young lady who was really taking him to task. I'm sure she was young enough to be his daughter, perhaps even his granddaughter. And I agreed with much of what she was saying, but not with the way in which she said it. I have never seen such disrespect hurled toward a person who occupied such a high office. While it's true that all men are created equal, we are not all equal in terms, in terms of accomplishment. And we should always respect leadership and accomplishment if it has been attained fairly and squarely. We should never be disrespectful of those in authority, both secular and also spiritual. There are some things in the Word of the Lord that for a spiritual leader who is humble, it's easy to shy away from because to teach those things would come off perhaps as sounding self-serving. But that's not the case at all. Any principle in the Word of the Lord is not concerning personality, it's concerning principle. And when we teach and preach the principles of God's Word, that's just exactly the way that it is. I'm going, I want to deal a little bit further with this. I'm not going to stay on it very long, but I just feel that that it's in my spirit and I need to, to say it today and, and then we'll move on. And I'm sure Brian wouldn't want me to stay here very long and I won't, and I might get taken to the woodshed anyway. <laughs> but if anyone aspires to leadership, especially spiritual leadership, we all must first submit to fellowship. You will never make it to first base as a leader if you are not willing to submit to those who are over you in authority. Let me be plain, if God has his hand upon your life and has ordained you for spiritual leadership, you will make it unless you blow it. And one way that you can blow it is to have a hard heart, a rebel heart, uh, an humble heart that is unwilling to submit to leadership. The Bible says that a man's gift will make room for him and will bring him before great men, if you have an urging today or you have just a real burden that you want to do something for the Lord, or perhaps you feel that you need to be a leadership of some kind and maybe even a pastor eventually, and it seems like it never comes, and it, it just seems so long in coming. Just be faithful, just do what you, what there is to do before you do whatever door God opens up for you, and eventually it will come to pass if your heart and your attitude is right and God has his hand upon your life. You have heard Brian speak a time or two about his desire that he had to to pastor a church, and it just wasn't working until finally he said, Lord, whether I ever do or whether I don't, I'm just going to live for you. I'm just going to serve you. I'm just going to do my very best. And then things begin the doors begin to open and things begin to happen. And here he is today pastoring this beautiful group of people after just a few years. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You see, in the world many times it's it's different. It's a dog eat dog world out there. Perhaps you have been a victim of someone who was determined to make it to the top, and they didn't care who they trampled on or hurt to get there. They will stab you in the back. They will betray you. They will just wipe out anybody who gets in their way. But spiritually, that's not so. The way up is down. Pride has no place in spiritual leadership. Ego has no place in spiritual leadership. Submission is not something that we do when we are in agreement with those who are in authority over us. But the real test of submission is our reaction when we do not agree with those who are in authority over us. As a young man, and I was out uh, preaching all over the place, and I was conducting a revival here in the Columbus area, and on a Friday night of of that particular week, uh, there was a rally they were called back in those days, and it was a time where uh, a lot of other churches would come to a church for a service. And so on that Friday night, they were having a rally. And I preached, and I thought I did a pretty decent job. After it was all over, the pastor <laughs> the pastor pulled me aside, and he told me something that I said, and he said, you should not say that. I didn't think I had said anything at all that was controversial. I thought what I said that everybody believed, and I didn't understand it. I said okay. And I've never said that again to this day. We have to learn submission. There are men in my life that whatever they would say I would do because of who they are because of the authority that God has invested in them and because they are a mentor and a role model to me. Don and I were on vacation a while back and we went to a very wonderful church, beautiful church. we enjoyed it so much and um the the minister was talking about his uh, developmental years when he was um, when he was in training to become a minister and he was a protege of a very well known nicely known um, uh, minister and he said that his first sermon it just Went off so terribly. And after church, he called this man and he said, I sure messed up. And I said, I know you did. How's that for encouragement? <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> he said, But keep trying. And so he, he kept going. He went along and he, he made some other mistakes along the way. And he told the man he went one time, he said, I'll tell you, sooner or later, I'm going to get this right. The man said, Well, it better be sooner. <laughs> and he said said that he was offended now that was uncalled for he said he he didn't have to have to talk to me that way, but I'll tell you what today he is pastoring a magnificent, beautiful church, not only in one city but several cities, and the church that we were in the the service was fantastic, and then they had a, a video of him preaching in Sarasota, Florida, where he started another church, and it worked like clockwork. It was wonderful. Hear me, all of us need a mentor in our life that we will submit to simply because of who they are and the respect that we have for them. There are some segments of the church that have carried this authority thing much too far, and in those types of churches, you will often hear, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophet no harm. Harm. Some have set themselves up as little dictators, more interested in being served than in serving. But to those in leadership, the Bible says, be not lords over God's heritage. A Christian leader is a shepherd who cares for those in his care. I'm not saying that you have to be in agreement with everything concerning a leader, but I am saying that we all need to honor the call of God on a man or a woman's life. And if you don't agree, unless it's a matter of something being illegal or immoral, we need to give our leaders the benefit of the doubt. He very likely is aware of things that we are not aware of. And there oft I'm sorry thank you. There are often things that he cannot speak of everything that he knows. So it comes down to an element of trust. We just simply trust him we know that he's going to do the right thing just as the young woman took took on the senator so have many in past years taken on a pastor i could tell you story after story of folks who have risen up against a pastor with much hostility and i've also known of folks 30 and 40 years later who would write letters of apology or make a phone call to a former pastor whom they rose up against. They had been haunted for that long and finally humbled themselves to make it right as they saw the end approaching. God bless them for doing that. Just a few days ago, Donna and I received a letter from a lady who used to be in the church we pastored informing me that her husband had passed away. I remember this man as perhaps the man who said the most unkind things to me in my entire life. Several years ago, I too received a call from him, a call of apology. And in her letter telling us of his death, she told me how the two of them had talked much about how much I had helped him. And how thankful they were that I had preached the gospel message to him. You see folks, time has a way of erasing bad things and bringing good things to the forefront. That's the reason we shouldn't get too cranked and too worked up over things that really don't matter in the big, big scope of things. But when things like that happen and when people are so disrespectful and rude. Sunday morning still rolls around. There's a sermon to preach. There are folks who need encouragement. So what does one do? He simply sucks it up, shows no sign of hurt, rancor, or woundedness. And he goes and does what God has called him to do. Now you would think that our sweet, kind, non-confrontational, low-ego pastor would be immune from all of this, wouldn't you? But believe me, he isn't no spiritual leader is, but the Bible still says, obey them that have the rule over you as they watch for your souls. Some church folks are like present-day brides. I can't tell you how many marriage ceremonies I've performed, especially in recent years, where the bride (coughs) has said to me, I don't want that to obey in the marriage ceremony." just leave that out. Okay. All right. We'll we'll leave that out. I mean, it happens time after time after time. You know, I'm so glad Donna had those words in there. (laughs) You promised. (laughs) Let me tell you something, girls. If you marry a godly man who loves the Lord and loves you the way that God tells him, to. you have nothing to worry about if you do say to obey. Because the Bible says that men are to love their wives as God loves the church. And that, my friend, is a lot of loving. I was always taught that a good test of a person's attitude is this, if they can say from their heart, Pastor, if you see anything in my life that I'm doing wrong or things that need correction, please tell me. wow does that still work in 21st day christendom is that the mantra of believers today the bible says there arose a generation who did that which was right in their own eyes and i'm afraid we're living in a generation just like that my added my thoughts are as good as your thoughts i got a brain just like you got a brain my opinion is as good as your opinion and so everybody would run around just doing their own thing and and if I don't like it here I'll go somewhere in agreement with the way I think I used to tell folks that I pastor I said you know if you don't like me or you don't like the church for some reason the best thing for you to do is find a place that you like but do it properly do it right don't leave in a huff just come and tell me I'm going, okay fine bless you you know Don't cause a mess, don't cause a rancor, don't just get all beside yourself and and just go off in a huff. That's a terrible thing to do. If there's a disagreement, it ought to be worked out and then go on your way. But I've also found a lot of those people that did that would end right back up. They'd come on back home where they really belonged in the first place after they got their things ironed out. It is my contention that those of us who know God, who are the called according to his name, should be the most kind, caring, courageous, and loving people on the face of the earth. Do you agree with that? Yeah. But as it is so often, Brian has stated that the divorce rate among Christians are just about the same as they are from non-Christians. So many things today, there seems to be very little difference. And so it can be in this area of being kind, caring, courageous, and loving. And not only that, but we should be the most grateful and the most thankful. I believe that we are living in the end times. I believe that Jesus could come very, very soon. And I'm disappointed so that so many today seem to put so much emphasis on preaching, how people can be successful and get lots of money in this present world when the Bible instructs us not to lay up treasure on this earth where moth doth eat, uh, rust can corrupt, but to lay up treasures on the other side, lay up treasures for eternity. We've gone from having an emphasis upon eternity to placing emphasis upon the here and now. And even though that we know that life is but a vapor, so much of our effort is on getting and obtaining. We have a culture of consumption, that whatever we have, the world wants to tell us it's not enough. If we'll get this, that'll make us happier. If we'll get that, it'll be happier. You need this new car. You need that new home. You need this. You need that. You need something else, and then you can be happy. I have a friend who lives in a $650,000 home. He said, Dana, it's just a house. It's just a house. We don't think of it as it's all that big a deal. It's just, it's just where we live. And so it is, regardless of what you have, how good that it is. My 96-year-old great-grandfather, prior to his dying, after 96 years, said, Life seems so short, and so it is. Only, what's, only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. There's a church campground not too far from here that I've attended most all of my life. In fact, my first visit to that campground was in a baby buggy when I was two months old in 1946. My folks wheeled me into that place in a baby buggy, and I've been there practically every year since. On the side of the tabernacle is written, where will you spend eternity? Where will you spend eternity? You see, when it's all said and done, that's the most important question that any of us could ask ourselves. You see, there's only two places to spend eternity in heaven with God and his angels, or in hell with the devil and his demons. And just because we don't hear too much about the bad place anymore doesn't make it any less real. If you've not said yes to Jesus and submitted your life to him, I want you to know today that your soul is in eternal danger. But I also want to encourage you who have said yes to the Lord to tell you that you have a glorious hope. You have a hope of life forever. You have a hope of heaven. And I'm glad today that we can all share in that hope, that we know that there's a better place than this, This is the worst that it gets for a Christian. I don't care how bad you got it today. I don't care what kind of a mess you're facing. How horrible it is. How tired. How discouraged. How perplexed you are. I want you to know there's a better day coming. And any day he could split the clouds of glory. And I'm getting loud. (laughs) Conversational, conversational. <laughs> I said a moment ago that we're living in the last days. I want to I prove that to you by the Scripture. Second Timothy chapter 3, and, I, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. See if, see if any of this sounds familiar to you. But understand this, that in the last days there will set in perilous times of great stress and trouble. Hard to deal with and hard to bear. Anybody been there, done that? For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Oh, I could preach on that. (laughs) Lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth. Proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusers, blasphemous, scoffers, disobedient to parents, unholy and profane. They will be without natural or human affection. You hear about the guy that shot the little nine-year-old boy in the face this week? Knocked on the door, little nine-year-old boy came to the door and <clears throat> shot him right in the face. Without natural or human affection. Callous and inhuman Relentless, admitting of no truth, truce, or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of good. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. Boy, that's a mess. And boy, I recognize about everything that's listed there as being a part of the culture and the society and the day in which we are living. Now, I confess to you, I didn't read that in its entirety. I left out one word. Along with all of that mess and all of those problems and all of those bad things that the Bible says that in the last days will be transpiring also in the midst of all of that in the Amplified Bible is the word ungrateful in the King James version, version it is unthankful being ungrateful and unthankful is a big deal to the Lord it's a big deal to God it is lumped in with all of these horrendous terrible things that I just read to you in the midst of that is people will be unthankful People will be ungrateful. In the seventeenth chapter of Luke, we read about how ten lepers came to the Lord and the Lord healed them, every one. And as they were leaving, how many turned back to thanking? One. Just one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing me. Weren't there weren't there ten that I healed? Where are the where are the other nine? they got what they want there on their way they're like little boy at the gumball machine (laughs) I got mine I'm out of here isn't that pitiful to be healed of leprosy that horrible disease that just eats your flesh away and suddenly you're made whole and you don't have the gumption to at least say thank you to the guy who healed you You know something that irks me? Let me just say something that irks me. You're in a long line of traffic. Someone's trying to get into the line. They may... <laughs> 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 and if you don't let them in, they can sit there till the cows come home. That's how bad the traffic is. So you just sit there and you go... And they they come in and they don't even go. (laughs) If I let somebody in line in traffic, I at least want to wave out of it. Don't you? I mean I've done that time after time. Just just keep on going, you know, that you know. That's not too big a irk deal, but um, (laughs) you know, it happens. But being ungrateful and unthankful is a terrible, terrible character flaw. If somebody does something nice for you, the least you can do is say thank you. Perhaps you have sent things to people. Maybe a birthday gift, a graduation gift, a shower gift, a wedding gift, what have you. About six weeks. Did they ever get that? Because you haven't heard from them. You don't. You don't know whether they got it or not. You know what? In this day at least, we can do is shoot each other emails. And there are some things that ought to be done the old-fashioned way. You just get out a thank you note and you sit down and you put pen to paper. And you write a nice little thank you deal, and you put a 46 cent stamp on it, yeah, it won't kill you to do that. Drop it in the mailbox and let them know how much you appreciate them and what they did for you. Amen. This is good preaching. (laughs) You know what being ungrateful is? It's a sign of self centeredness it displays an attitude of entitlement. This particular sense of entitlement is just about to ruin this great country of ours. You've got yours, I don't have mine, so I want yours. I'm entitled to it. Fill in the blanks there, will you? We hear a lot these days, people say, I deserve it. I deserve this. I you do? Says who? What, what, what makes you so deserving of all these wonderful things that you're wanting? I don't know about you, but I got a sneaking suspicion that you're just like me. And that is that I have been blessed far and above more than I ever deserve. The financial guru Dave Ramsey, if you listen to his program at all, people said, Hello Dave, how are you? You probably know what he always says, better than I deserve. I get tired of hearing him saying it, to be honest with you. <laughs> better. Than... One time, Dave, could you just say, I'm good. I'm... No, it's always better than I deserve. <laughs> but I'm sure that he is, and I'm sure that, that all of us are as well. I've got a great big long Thanksgiving list, and I'm sure you do too and we could all share today if we had the opportunity but I happen to be the guy doing the talking so I'm just going to share a little bit with you I was born into a wonderful family a family who loved me who taught me the things of the Lord and I'm mighty grateful I thought my folks were too hard on me when I was growing up I still do I still think that But I understand they were doing what they thought was right. They were doing their very best to raise me in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And I'm grateful for them. I married a wonderful woman, a Proverbs 31 type woman. And they're the best kind. I've got two great sons I've never had to bail any of them out of jail. (laughs) Knock on metal. (laughs) Both are serving the Lord and making a difference in this world. I have three grandsons and one beautiful granddaughter. Now, we don't love her any more than we love the boys, but it sure is great to have Charlotte here. I've got a roof over my head. I've got more to eat than I need. I've got more shirts than I can wear. And Donna has threatened to harm me if I bring another one home. <laughs> but above and beyond all of that, the thing that I'm most grateful is one day I met the Savior. And Not only did I meet him, but he loved me. Not only did he love me, but he forgave me. He forgave me of all of my sins. He put his spirit within me. And then he tells me, my grace is sufficient for you from this point on. Whatever this life, whatever this world throws to you, my grace will be there to sustain you. My grace will be there to undergird you. And he left a promise, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. There's an old song when I was a boy in church we used to sing. We'd sing it service after service. It said, he's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. If you're inclined to compare your life to others, that's, that's unwise. You could always find somebody who's prettier, somebody who's more handsome, somebody who has a nicer house, somebody who has more money or whatever. But I think what we need to do this Thanksgiving is simply concentrate on what he has done for us personally. Not only can you find folks who have a lot more than you, but you can always find folks who have a lot less than you and have not been blessed perhaps to the extent that you have. I would ask all of us today just to stop and think, whose air is it that we're breathing today? Where'd you get those good eyeballs to see out of today? Today? One of my mentors used to say this, uh, I've heard him say it several times, said, if you had to make an eyeball, what would you gather up to put one together? What kind of ingredients would you go fetch to design an eyeball? That was just his way of saying, hey, there's some things that are just beyond us we could not do, but he did, and he's blessed us and he's made this wonderful life possible for all of us. Who is it that keeps that blood pumping through our hearts? Who was it that died that we might live? Who was it that shed his blood that we might be cleansed of our sins? Friend, we owe a death today that we cannot pay. The only thing is God doesn't really expect us to repay it. All that he wants is our thanks. All that he wants is our praise. And when we begin to praise Him, something is going to begin to happen. Because the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. If you're feeling down and out, forget about your mess. Just start, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you for Calvary. I thank you for your blood. I thank you for your spirit. And I'm loud and I don't care. in this congregation are folks who've been healed in this congregation are folks whose marriages have been restored I want you to know friend regardless what you face today if you'll turn to him he can take your sorrow and he can turn it into joy he'll take your trash and he'll make it treasure he'll take your mourning and he'll turn it into laughter laughter there are many here that God has made a way where you didn't think there was a way to be made and for all of this we just simply say thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Lord you know even even the best of lives that you might look at and you might say oh they, those folks got it all together and everything's wonderful in their life it may not be as grand as you think I've always said this wherever you live, you got to take out the garbage. That's right. Wherever you live, you got to take out the garbage. There's garbage, everybody's got some garbage. Everybody's got some messes. And so we have a choice on this Thanksgiving 2013. We can either put our emphasis on those and think on those. Or we can turn our eyes toward Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I wasn't there, but I watched it yesterday. How cold was it at Ohio Stadium? Pretty cold, wasn't it? Brian was there. Compliments to Steve Kiley. I see cheerleaders out there. <laughs> why is it when we come to church when it's, when it's warm? It's not 15 degrees. So said, let's all praise. I don't like anybody telling me what to do. I saw a picture this week of folks in the Philippines. This horrible, horrible storm that they had there that just was devastating there were people that came to church and were standing in in places just like you're sitting in today the only difference was there was water up to their calf and they were standing there now I've to say if this place had been flooded out with a foot of water today I don't know if I'd have been here probably wouldn't have been because none of us have been here because it has been canceled but not in the Philippines they came to worship the Lord and that they did in spite of it I read of folks in the mission field that people will walk for days for days to get to a conference and to get to a meeting and just love everything about this word of the Lord folks we got it so easy today we have it so easy today. My dad grew up in the Depression, and he, he didn't have much. And the Lord blessed his life. But we don't have those things to contend with for the most part today. You know, even, even the poorest among us are rich, are rich compared to many in, in the third world countries. The way that they live is terrible. So I would just encourage us today to really worship the Lord to really thank the Lord to praise him give honor that is due to his great name and I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to that time that we're all gathered around the throne of God and all oh, friend it's going to be loud it's going to be loud there yeah the bible says that John the revelator he heard the sound of mighty waters mighty waters People from every tribe, every nation, every kindred and every tongue as they lift up their voice to the Lord. Glory and honor. Blessing and glory. Glory and honor. Blessing and glory for all of eternity. Friend, I want to praise him down here so I can praise him up there. Hallelujah. Week after week we come and we share with those here to help us our needs and the things that we would like to have solved in our life. And that's good. And we want to do that today. But I think before we do that, I think before we ask Him for anything, I think we ought to just praise Him. I think we ought to just praise Him. And you, Jesus. I try to make it a habit in my prayer life that before I get into this and that and my my list of things that I want from the Lord, I I try every time before I get into all of that stuff that I'd like to see happen to just take time at first to just thank Him. Lord, I thank You for who You are. I thank You, Lord, that You know about me. You know about my troubles. You know about my messes. You know about all of this stuff. I just thank you and I worship you and I praise you. Shall we stand to our feet today? I'd like for us, as Michelle begins to play, just to just to take a moment here and just begin to recollect and to think of things in your life that the Lord has been good to you that you're thankful for. And I'm sure that it's a very, very long list. I'll guarantee you we'll go out of here feeling good today if we start thinking about how good he is. You know, un, unexpressed thanks is actually no thanks at all. You have to express it. Like the old fellow, you know, story goes, told his wife when they got married, I love you, didn't tell her for the next 35 years. He said, well, if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> he, he loves our praise he wants our praise he created us to worship him to worship him in spirit and in truth I don't know what they're going to sing or what they're going to play but I want us just to just take a few moments here and just ponder and just to think And just in your heart, just to praise the Lord. Would you do that? Let's do that.